Well, hello and welcome back to Crucial Conversations, where I am going to try not to cough throughout this entire episode, but I'm not promising anything. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. And yeah. I'm Peter, too. Yeah, Pastor Peter Ill is too? back. No, I'm not Peter, too. Sorry, I'm Pastor You're... Peter Ill. I'm also Peter, though. Yes. Peter the Third, if you're looking him up on Facebook, because Ill... Has no serifs on Facebook, and so it looks like Peter the Third. Little wingy things are serifs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, serifs. Have you ever, what what is what is a serif in a font world? The the it's not an the angel. Flags, the wingy things. Yeah. So so when you see a font that is a sans serif. Sans means without. Yeah. It's just there's no liney thingies on the tops and bottoms of letters. I got us off on a tangent really fast there, didn't I? That was fun. But so what are the serifs in the Bible? They're angels. They fly around. Uh, they fly around the throne room of heaven and say, holy, holy, holy. Why are they called seraphs? Because they're the burning guys. It comes they're from the fire. Hebrew word sharaf, which means to burn up. Yeah. Yeah, they're the fiery, burny guys. Wait, they're on fire? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the burning guys. Yeah. Angels just got way cooler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Angels are way cool. <laughs> but that's has a... got nothing on these guys. That's right. Sweet. So where in the Bible do you read about seraphs saying, holy, holy, holy? On Isaiah chapter 6. Good. Isaiah 6. I mean, that's... That's worth reading. You right know, there. and it's one of my favorite parts of the liturgy. Um, and I love the liturgy. Um, and maybe that's a really good place for us to pick up. I, poor Kevin just doesn't know what to do with himself. As we continue our episode from last week. Talking uh, about more isms and trust, if, in case you're wondering. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to that. Because it gives you background of what we're about to do today. We'll wait. Okay. Okay, okay. you're back. Yeah. Uh, did you back. have some other things that you wanted we to tell you. us about, though, well, Peter? Well, you know, if you want to support what we're doing financially, crucialproductions.org slash give. Anything you do to support us would be fantastic. But as we always say, don't support us first. Yeah. Give to your church first. Yes. Tithe always. there. And if you've got more that you want to do, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, that's not really what we're here yes, for. Yes, it is. Oh, wait. That's You're right. weird. <laughs> it's uh, a bonus. But if you... If you I and mean, we're very serious about this. We, everything we're doing here is is to drive you to your local congregation, your yeah. pastor, your church, and and financially, we're not doing this for money. Uh, we want you to support your local congregation, support your church, make sure you're you're putting your money in your offering plate, teaching your children to tithe, that whole thing. But if you want to support us, that'd be great. We we have ways to do that. We are a not-for-profit organization. Um, we need things sometimes, like microphones and equipment and coughing buttons. So if I coughing cough, buttons I so that Peter can cough and not bother us. Yeah. Um, at this point, we need some throat lozenges. Jizz. That'd be a good start before the that coughing be, button, because yeah. that's more expensive. But but seriously, um, if you want to help support us, that'd be great. Peter can tell you all those ways. It's also in the show notes, I believe. Yes, it is. But we're I mean we're here to actually support the church too. So we, as as we do what we do in order to support the church, we don't want you removing your support from the church to support us. Right. That just wouldn't make sense. Nope. <laughs> Cough button here. So today, we are in an undisclosed location. It was only disclosed enough for us to all find it. <laughs> and we have Pastor Ill with us from Illinois. And we were talking about some stuff. And, and you kind of got started on some things right away. The liturgy and, and holy, holy, holy and seraphs and Isaiah 6. And um, so, so why don't you work us through a little bit of, about the liturgy and what you like about the Sanctus, and, and, and what does that mean when you talk about those kinds of things? 
ultimately what I love about the liturgy, this collection of Bible songs, songs drawn straight from scripture like Isaiah 6 and like the angels showing up on Christmas Eve and Simeon hanging out in the temple and he sees Jesus. All of these things, the reading from the Old Testament and the epistles and the gospel and the use of the Psalms, all of this points us to Jesus. But sometimes as somebody who loves to screw things up, instead of focusing on Jesus, I want to focus on the liturgy. And there's part of me that can be a contentious jerk and would love to go up to people and be like, hey, you need to use the liturgy because it's the best ever. Or else I'll smack you around. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) ultimately, the liturgy is there to point us to Jesus. The liturgy is all about who Jesus is and what Jesus does, not about the liturgy in and of itself. So we can actually put ourselves in a position of trusting the liturgy instead of Christ. I mean, that's kind of what we're... I, I don't know, is liturgism actually a word? Or are we just totally making that up? It is now. It is now. Now liturgism is a word. So we've been talking about different isms. Last week we talked about fundamentalism and, I don't know, fideism and other... Creationism, other, Creationism and biblicism. Those are the yeah. four that we talked about last week. So this, this time, so the liturgy. Here's how I have taken a very good thing, the liturgy, and placed my trust in it. When I say things like, well... That sermon was awful, but at least we had the liturgy. Oh. <laughs> that sermon was full of heresy, but at least we had the liturgy. Now, that statement in and of itself might not, yeah, may or may not be wrong. Right. But what I have done with it is I have said the preaching of God's word is, is less important because this liturgy, this thing, is actually what's truly the faithful thing. And we need to place our trust in people adhering to that way of worship. That mm-hmm. Those different pieces of worship. And as long as they adhere to that, well, then, then they're faithful and everything is good. But I think the point at which I realized that there was a flaw in my thinking is when I also realized that, you know, you're... Very liberal church bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, also it, like the liturgy. It's actually amazing in our church history that that high church used to be a mark of liberalism. And, and liberalism, understand what we mean by liberalism. Not a political thing or something like that, but liberal meaning not reading the word of God as scripture, not trusting in the, the orthodox doctrines of the church, moving away from historic Christianity. That's what we mean by liberal, not like you know, politically liberal or something like that. Um, but, but it used to be actually a mark of liberalism to have high church. Mm-hmm. And, and so we got to be very careful with this where we, we, we do not want to get into the mode of placing, um, kind of equating things with Jesus and saying, therefore, you're orthodox or therefore you're faithful or therefore you're, you're a better Christian or something. So... This, we're going to avoid this topic. Let's just say that now. We're not going to talk about worship wars. We're not going to talk about contemporary worship versus liturgy. Uh, but but we, what we did want to talk about is, is something that I think all of us deal with, whatever kind of worship you, you go to or whatever church you go to, is really 
the issue in our world today kind of is scientism or or i don't even know how to say what do you say politicism yeah what is it when you place your politicism politics bad bad yeah it's just, it's just bad well, it's it's especially Badism. prevalent today right i mean we, are we happen to be recording this on election day yeah, yeah. Mid, in the United midterm States. elections in the United States are happening today. And a lot of people are very, very, very scared of what's going to happen. Whatever, whatever side you're on, yeah. whatever way you're hoping it goes. If their people don't get elected, whoever their people are, there's a great amount of fear of, uh-oh, what will happen to me? Right. And, and so we've put our trust in this political system. Another big thing that's, that's attacking all of us is scientism, that, that we have actually bought the idea, hook, line, and sinker, that science teaches us truth. Yeah, that's, or that science discovers truth. Yeah, discovers truth. science is the arbiter of what's actually true. Yeah, all, and all of these things. So, so that if science discovers it and proves it, then we can trust it. It's yeah. it's true. It's, it's real. It's settled science. That's, and that's it. And we've like like we talked about in the last episode. There's nothing wrong with politics. Paul's pretty explicit that all governing authorities are from God. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with science. Um, God has allowed us to look at His creation, to observe His creation, to talk about His creation, to appreciate His creation, to learn from and about his creation to um, <laughs> use the creation to help each other. These are all really good things. And science has played a big role in a lot of the ways that humanity has learned about the things that God has made and the things that God desires for us. But just like all good gifts of God, as Paul tells us in, in the beginning of Romans, sometimes we end up worshiping the created thing. Yeah instead of the creator yeah and as as pastor ill helped us remember last time when the new testament talks about the creator don't just think god the father right we also want to be thinking very explicitly about jesus christ as the one through whom all things were made and you know apart from him nothing was made so when we talk about worshiping the creator we really are talking about our christology Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and and that, so so help us think this through a little bit here. How do, how can science become kind of a really bad thing to trust in? The simple answer, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say the simple answer. The first answer I want to go to uh, is to say, well. If science points out something that contradicts the Bible, mm-hmm. then then we need to be really concerned. Um, or even to say, if science finds something that disproves Jesus, uh, we we get really concerned. But at some level, that's a that's a different ism. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's when scientism and biblicism actually start fighting each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. The, the bigger question isn't what happens if science disproves creation, which it doesn't, but that's something... It can't. It can't, correct. Even better. Uh, but to say, I don't have to protect the Bible from science. In fact, I don't have to protect Jesus from science because Jesus can protect himself. He's God, and last time I checked, I'm still not. 
uh, which is, again, a really good thing. Yes. Yes, Yes, we're all grateful for that. Yes. Indeed. But it's not just as simple as saying, well, it's all about creation. Because it's not. It's all about Jesus. But when science becomes where you go to find out what's going to be the best and what's going to be appropriate and the way the world works. It reminds me of Pastor Martin Luther in his uh, large catechism. He says, well, what is it to have a God? A God is that in which you place your trust. Mm -hmm. And so faith makes both God and an idol or faith is directed to both God and idols. Science can become an idol because if you need answers and you go to science because that's where you have your confidence, you just accidentally made an idol. Well, this the, the difficult part about this is the culture in which we live. Everything about America <clears throat> is kind of founded on science, if you will. Our, our own reason, our pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, independence, we can discover anything, we can figure anything out, eventually we'll have an answer for every single problem that ails you. That is what our culture teaches us. And science is the mechanism that it primarily looks to in order to accomplish that. So, (laughs) this is something that, that is really important for us to understand as we discuss science, is the scientific method is not the result of faith. Nope. Right. As a matter of fact, the, the predominance of the scientific method as the means of, of intellectual pursuit really arose from a time when we were trying to get away from faith as being something that informs our intellect. Well, really as an alternative to faith. Right. They were saying... Like we want to replace faith... We don't need God to reveal truth to us. We can go figure it out on our own. We can observe this world. We don't need the Bible to teach us about this world. We can just go look. And, and there was a shift where, and, and you can actually read this very explicitly, where they kind of said, we don't need that superstitious faith stuff. We can actually learn it on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's really where scientific method and the movement of science became the deposit of truth for us. And this is something that's really kind of subtle in our, the way that we do things today is that we don't always realize as Christians that when we, we label science as the actual way to get to truth, we're kind of, I always say, we're kind of seeding the field to the enemy already. We're already saying God isn't the way to get to truth. It's going to be through human intellect. It's going to be through human pursuit. It's going to be through human progress. And, and this is really not where we're called to put our faith. Well, it's, it's difficult because as a Christian, I will hear, I will be taught such things as, well, God is a God of order. Yep. Science is all about order. Yep. Therefore, when we study science and we find order, we're actually studying God or discovering more about God or there are many different ways that that gets discussed or presented but the whole idea is look this is all 
totally compatible with me as a Christian because all we're doing is we're just trying to explain God's creation. And because God is a God of order, not a God of chaos, and we know this all has meaning and purpose, therefore we can take this scientific method, we can take science and make it okay and make it Christian because, well, we recognize ultimately it, it comes from God. So, so we, we know that that's <laughs> wrong, and so we've just gotten rid of science. So when we came in this room, we just turned the light switch on, and something magical happened because the lights are now on in this room. Well, science isn't helping so, me stop coughing right now. Right, science is helping off, So clearly it doesn't work. But, Pastor, how do we, how do we wreck? I mean, what happened when I turned the light switch on? Electricity happened, I hope. What do you mean? I mean, isn't Jesus the light? That's a metaphor, Kevin. Oh, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. So... So it's so, not true? It's true. Do, do we believe, believe in science then? Do we believe that there are electrons running around and, and wires and atoms? and do, uh, Are these things things we have to reject as Christians? Can we have to say, no, that's just all stupid, and it's we actually know that it's God's illuminating these, these light bulbs that I had to spend way more money on than the old ones because they last not nearly as long. I really want to say yes, but, but you kind of threw me off with that word, do we believe science or do we believe in science? <laughs> I want to say I believe in Jesus yeah. because that's the default answer right. and it should be the default answer. Is science true? Does it happen? Well, yeah. Um, there are electrons, I, I think. Um, this is really not my field. There's sound waves that convey Peter's coughing, and there's there's all kinds of stuff. There's medicine, and, and these. We're using all kinds of science to record this. Sure, I mean yeah. all kinds of science. There's science. Absolutely, is happening all around us all the time, and we continue to learn more and more. If I plug the microphone in this way, it works. If I plug the microphone in that way, it doesn't work. If I, I don't know, disconnect the power supply from. Uh, from the house, then the lights don't come on, and that's bad. We know, know that, that, that grounding, grounding things is basically good if you don't want to get shocked. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, we know things, and, and none of us are sitting here saying, oh, science is stupid, let's go back to pre-science days and just, you know, kind of sit around and believe in God. Well, unless those pre-science days help me stop coughing. Yes, that would be good. Yeah. But there's ultimately a difference between saying, what we've learned about this world is true and saying Jesus is the truth. Uh, they're, not on, they're not even on the same plane. Not at all. Jesus is <laughs> the truth. Jesus is the one that we believe in. Science is a good thing. I like science. The more people who study science, the better. We have all kinds of things to learn about this world. Uh, science and helps me cook my steak in tasty ways. And for all of the people who study science, that's fantastic because it makes me not have to study science as much because I'm really not that good at it. So, so we, we should all go, go study science. science. Sure. God has given you wonderful ways to go study science. Where but does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't. Well, or it does. I don't know. Right. right. So, so, so see, this is, this is part of what we're getting into now is that when we talk about where we put our trust and, and where do we... We hope in things and, and things like faith. We, we kind of need to admit that this is not going to be all clean and neat and tidy. Yeah, this is messy. This gets messy real quick. And, and that's one of the reasons that we're trying so explicitly to talk about Jesus a lot is that 
There are a lot of good and true things that compete for our trust, and we don't want to just throw them out and say they're, they're evil, right, in and of themselves. Science is a good example where there's a lot of evil about science, a lot of anti-God in science, and there's a lot of mistakes we've made because of science. Um, a lot of people think that truth is found in science. Well, it's not. It just isn't. You know, truth is, truth is Christ, it's God's Word. Science will teach us accurate things about our world, and maybe help us make accurate predictions about things that could happen. That, that could happen, but it's not establishing truth, right? So as we go in this world as Christians and, and, and try to deal with these isms, like scientism, we, I think the first thing we have to admit is this is, this is kind of hard to figure out when do I trust in these things and when is my reason becoming magisterial instead of ministerial to my faith? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so one of the things we do want to make sure that we're helping all of us kind of think through in this is the role of reason, you know, in magisterial and ministerial terms. Pastor, you want to you explain, explain that just a little bit about what does that mean? Sure. Uh, the word magisterial, uh, it's with a G, not a J. So it's exactly. M-A-G. Yeah, yeah. I other letters. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is all about, it's the teaching use. It, the, the word uh, magus or magistrate. Very similar to the word magistrate. Uh, the Latin word for teacher is uh, uh, magister. Uh, and so when you are taught something, this teaching use is the boss man use. Mm hmm. The ministerial use, well, that's a little bit easier for us. That's the, the supporting use. When we use our reason in a way that teaches us, when our reason starts to really boss us around, that's when we realize, oh, I'm now running everything through the lens of my reason and my rationality and my, my thinking and my common sense, and I'm not looking through the lens of Jesus. I'm looking through the lens of my reason. Uh, reason in a ministerial sense can say, oh, I'm seeing the world through the lens of Jesus. Now that I'm seeing the world through the lens of Jesus, what else, what else do I learn? What else do I know? And we get to see those things. And sometimes we even take this kind of scientism <laughs> and apply it to how we learn the faith and how we pass it on. It, it reminds me of some, of some of the field of apologetics and defending the faith. Uh, reminds me of Thomas Aquinas's way of trying to prove God. You know, he had uh, five, five truths about God that he could simply point out, and you could almost argue somebody into faith. It's a very scientific approach. Mm -hmm. You can almost do the scientific method on it. Um, but it's, it's that magisterial use of reason to create faith and draw somebody to conversion. And it's not, at the end of the day, about Jesus, it's about having the right argument, having a kind of a, a magic method. Well, yeah, like the, the magisterial use basically says my reason, my own understanding. My own understanding of this thing is the boss. It is what determines whether this is true or not. So, so I, I always think, think whenever, whenever I, I think, think these things through <laughs> in my mind, which is a terrible thing to do, uh, whenever I ponder on these things, things I'm, I'm kind of reminded of St. Paul. Because here's a guy who is, from all accounts, brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. he, he says, I was the smartest in my class, right? He, he studied under the greatest teacher, and he got all A's, right? 
I mean, he, he knew everything there was to know. He, he is the best Pharisee, everything. Whatever Paul did, he kind of did all the way, all the way. And, and so he's reading the Old Testament his entire life, but it's never his intellect that teaches him what to believe, right? It's actually an encounter with Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God in the very mouth of Jesus that converts St. Paul. He's baptized, and, and right away he's preaching Christ crucified. And the, and, and the reason I bring that up is because then when he writes his, his epistles, guess what he uses? Reason. Reason. He uses his intellect. He uses rhetoric, right? We can prove he's using Aristotelian rhetoric to make his point, like Galatians 3. Just beautiful use of, of rhetoric, right? Great argument laid out. Rhetoric is the art of making an argument. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry, and that's it, not a word we sling around all that often. It's, <laughs> a, it's a word I sling around. But, well, not everybody just gets to go hang out with you, though, Kevin. Please do. Um, but, you know, the point is, is we're not anti-intellectual. We're not anti-science. We're not anti-reason. But, but what we never want to do is take those things and, and put them where they don't belong. Yeah. And nor do we assign to those things words that don't belong there. One of the things that I, I really work on is I don't actually believe, and this is going to sound really strange, but I don't believe science is true. I believe that a lot of scientists are accurate, but they're not establishing truth. They're not something that I put my trust in. There's, there are a lot of things that science has taught me that I use every day in my life, right, and to benefit others. And, and I, one of my best friends is a doctor, and I'm so thankful that he went to med school, you know, because sometimes I need a doctor, and that's helpful. Um, but, but at no point do I think that science is going to help me with truth, right? That's when I want truth, I, I look at Christ and what he teaches me. The one who stands in front of Pontius Pilate and asks the question, or, sorry, it gets Pilate yeah. to ask the question, what is well, truth? What is truth? The, the answer is standing right there in front of Pilate, yeah. and he doesn't recognize it. The one that said, I am the truth. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we see this becoming an ism. When we start to look to science to provide that truth and to be not a means to an accurate answer, but to in itself be the answer. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the, the old commercials of better living through chemistry. Right. Well, sure, chemistry can do some decent stuff for you, but it's not going to fix you. It's not going to remove your sin. It's not going to make you perfect. We've been looking for uh, some form of, of prolonged life, if not immortality, well, for a long time. So, so this, this is something, something that, that we've talked about a lot, and I, I, I want to bring it up, and I know we don't have much time left, but, <laughs> but this is really a, an important thing for us to understand, is that modernism, which is really the, the underpinnings of scientism, was really the idea that humanity can solve humanity's problems. We are the answer to our own problems. If we just progress enough, if we just think it through, 
if we just get better and better and better, eventually we'll solve all of our problems. If we go through the right steps. If we go through the right Using steps. the scientific method. And what happened is modernism came along and said, there's such a thing as objective truth. And everyone, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of people still think that's a good idea. And, and a lot of people, even in the church, still think that the goal of Christianity is to establish objective truth. And that's why they get trapped in this world of, well, science tells objective truth, reason tells objective truth, so all we have to do is prove the objectivity of our faith, and then we have to win all the arguments, right? So apologetics is trying to establish an objective truth. And it sounds so good to us as Lutherans because we believe that faith is from outside of us. It's not subjective, it's objective. But what I want to be clear on is that that's not what objective truth means. Well, here, here's, here's the problem is when, when you define objective truth in that way to a Christian, it sounds very much like, oh, well, that's kind of how I think about God. Right. right. But that's not what modernism meant when it said objective truth. So we took that term, jumped on it, and said, that sounds like God. We're going to use it. But we didn't realize what we were actually bringing. The Trojan horse that we're bringing, right? Well. That's exactly right. So, what is the objective truth that modernism is referring to? The objective truth that modernism is referring to is that there is truth out there that is ob obtainable through the scientific method. That that there is the idea of truth. That humans can and discover it, right? And find it and define it on our own without any help at all. Right. right. It'll, it's just an intellectual pursuit. And again, the, the whole idea of progress is huge in this because pro truth is actually, objective truth is actually the goal of humanity in this, in this scheme. So what we're all doing is we're getting better and better and better at finding this objective truth. And once we get there, we won't have any problems anymore because we'll know everything. We'll know how to solve disease, how to solve social ills. We won't have uh, class issues or race issues because we're going to keep getting better and better and better and better at this truth thing, right? And so the whole hope of humanity is in the progress of humanity. And we still see this going on today. The transhumanism movement is still kind of looking at this idea. Um, a lot of our, well, scientism today is, is still trusting in science well, to be this thing. We started off talking a little bit about politics, and that's right. very much the same way. Our entire political system is built on this idea of progress right. and getting better. Which, which is 100% antithetical <laughs> to the biblical, biblical worldview. And this is really where I wrestle with this, is that the scriptures don't talk this way. The scriptures don't talk about humanity getting better and solving problems. Or that humanity can even discover truth. Right. right. That we even have that capability within us to progress in this way, to acquire knowledge in that way, as if that's... Scripture never even says that we have that capability. No. The first time we tried that, it didn't work out so well. The devil asked Eve, yeah. uh, did God really say, and then went on to show her the fruit of the tree that God commanded her her and Adam not to eat from and she saw she discovered you could say that it was appealing to the eye and good for food and, and maybe, maybe even was tempted to think that there's stuff out there that God hasn't <laughs> told me 
and I can go figure some of that out. I can get that knowledge for myself. That, right? that objective thing that yeah. I don't have yet. Right. right. Another that God hasn't given to me. And another time we all came together on this big plane and built a huge tower called Babel and said, hey, look at what we can do. Right. right. Look what we can We pool our knowledge. We all work together. We can discover things and look at what we can do with that. And in the pooling of those relationships, you really have the birth of a, of a political system. And the scripture continues to go on and on about political systems. God establishes a leader, a prophet, uh, to lead the people out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves and to bring them into the promised land. And what do they do? They do nothing but grumble. Uh, eventually, God brings them into the promised land. And then... They say, we don't like the leader you gave us. We want a king to be like all the cool countries. And that really didn't work out for them. <laughs> and, and again and again, we see that the answer isn't in making a name for yourself by discovery and science. The answer isn't making a name for yourself in uh, politicism uh, and in managing relationships well. The answer ultimately is reserved for the one who is the truth. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets you free from slavery. Jesus is the one who comes from outside of you, not as an objective <laughs> truth, but as the truth and the life and the way. See, we talk about objective in our faith. So we talk about objective justification. We talk about objective word. What does that mean? What do we mean by that versus what we're kind of trying to avoid with scientism? See, what we're really saying is that when we talk about objective justification, it's, it's the scriptural teaching that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, right? That he didn't die just for my sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. And, it, and he did it, right? He died for the sins of unbelievers. Now, not all Christian churches would teach that. But we teach that. The scripture says very plainly that he died for the sins of all people, even those who don't believe in him. That's objective. That's, that's not contingent on anyone's faith or contingent on anything, right? But then we also do teach subjective justification in which God has brought that salvation to you as an individual, right? So if some people hear those terms, we're not denying that. No. We firmly believe in that. But what I'm saying is that science isn't the way to get to that objective truth. That for us, truth that is outside of us, which is real truth, is found in Christ alone. And science isn't the means to get there. Politics isn't the means to get there. Intellect isn't the means to get there. This is the Holy Spirit's work, right? To teach me the truth in Christ is the work of the Spirit. Now, I might use my intellect as I read Scripture, as I, like Paul did with rhetoric, right? And even as Paul kind of reads the Old Testament now that he has faith in Christ, he, you can kind of see him rereading, going, oh, oh, it, it was about Christ then. You know, that it's always been about Christ. This makes so much more sense This is, yeah, this is so clear now. Um, so, so we don't jettison our intellect. We don't get rid of the things that God has given us. But, but we learn that, that we don't trust in those things. We, we trust in Christ. And then the Holy Spirit teaches us how to use the gifts of God in service to our faith, right? And, and it's, it's always difficult. 
it's never a clear it's not a clear answer for me every day when I wake up in the morning you know the, the how do I use the gifts God's given me and not ever make an idol of them I fail at that pretty much every couple minutes or so at least um, yeah because my concupiscence um, oh you got it in I got it in first um, 35 minutes in too but but as as people are listening to this hopefully and it, we hope it's a blessing to you because we're with you in this struggle where we are firmly convinced by the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ is the truth, that no other truth really matters. And yet we live in a world where we're confronted by a billion truths a day. And it's not always clear how to balance those, those things. And as people who get together and talk about how to speak the faith in a way that helps you to pass the faith along, a lot of times when, when we start talking about Jesus, we'll start to be pulled towards, but science says, but politics says, but rhetoric <laughs> says, but uh, if the Bible isn't true or inerrant, and there's all of these temptations to be pulled away from talking about Jesus. Yep. And the spirit of these podcasts that we've done are to say, as cool as it looks to go talk about something else, don't do it. Don't give in to that. But instead, keep confessing Jesus. Keep talking about Jesus. There are accurate things said by science. There are accurate things said in politics. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> there are accurate... Much less frequently. Much less yeah. frequently. There are... The Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of God, uh, but it doesn't replace Jesus. And so we, we go to these things. They're wonderful. But still, we are confessing Jesus. Don't get pulled away from talking about Jesus. Here, here's the thing. Your comfort, my comfort, Kevin, your comfort, Pastor Ill, your comfort is not in any of these isms. They provide, science provides me no comfort at the end of the day. That when the day comes that I am laying <clears throat> on my deathbed, trying not to cough as I talk. <clears throat> oh, I failed. No comfort in that. that. When the day comes where I'm on my deathbed, science brings me no comfort. The, oh man, the liturgy brings me no comfort. That's, that's a weird that thing scary, to say. It? Scary to say that. Um, we have to understand rightly what I mean based right. on what we've talked about here. My own strength of my faith brings me no comfort. Uh, all, all of these isms, they don't bring us comfort. Our only comfort is to be found in Jesus Christ. He is the only one that we can trust, and he's the only one that we should trust. Um, because he is God, so that's... Right. <laughs> he's the only right. one deserving of that because that, he's God exactly right. and he's also the one who died for our sins to, to solve these problems ultimately to get us where we need to so be so now Peter I know you I, I know you better than you, know, you might want to care to admit but I know you're going to go to a liturgical church on Sunday oh yeah so you just said liturgy doesn't bring your comfort why would you go to a liturgical church because Jesus is there right and that's what it is about these gifts of God that brings us comfort is he works through his word. He works through the words of the liturgy to deliver to us the message of the death and resurrection of Christ. Ministerially. So we have a ministerial use of the liturgy. 
a ministerial use of the Bible, a ministerial use of science and politics and, and all the other things that we've talked about. But we have, I don't want to say we have, um, Jesus comes to us magisterially. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who controls all things and holds all creation together. We're, we're not bringing up these isms to make you uncomfortable. Nope. Although they will. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That if, if you have found, as we're discussing these, that maybe you've been trusting one of these things a little too much. We're not doing it to make you uncomfortable. We're actually doing it to bring you and to point you to what the true comfort is. And that is in Christ. So we don't, we don't talk about this with any kind of joy of, ooh, look, we're going to break down some idols here. No. I, idols are broken down so that we can point each other as Christians to the one true God who is not an idol, but is the one God to be worshipped. So... Hopefully, that's what we've been able to do these last two episodes. If we haven't, we want to hear from you. Please yeah, you know, give have, us we feedback. Hear <laughs> if we have, we want to hear from you too. Uh, we've got an email address, questions at crucialproductions.org. You can find us on our social media channels. Ask us questions there. We've said a lot of challenging things in these last couple episodes mm -hmm. especially. A lot of things that um, you know we've kind of left open-ended too. We haven't tied up everything with a nice, neat little bow. And so if you have questions, please, please ask us. We would love to spend future episodes answering your questions and helping work through these things as we work through them as well. So this has been Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. I'm, I'm Kevin. Kevin. I'm Pastor Hill. Hey, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time.